1: Welcome back to another episode of The 19th Tee. Plenty happening in the world of golf as per usual. It's a pleasure once again to welcome my playing partner, Nathan Drudy Drudes. Uh, another busy week in the world of golf. Huge week in the world of golf, particularly for the
0: Aussies. Um, obviously, Lucas, Michelle, who we'll chat about very shortly, but um, it's been all happening in the world of golf across many continents as well, which is always great to see.
1: For those listeners who are new to The 19th Tea. We have a special guest each and every week, and it is our Beer of the Week. So, Druids, which tin is joining us this week? It is thanks to the good folk
0: at Pirate Life who are doing some brilliant things. It's the Throwback IPA, um, which has landed in my hot little hand. Let's crack her open and have a taste of this one.
1: Yeah, that's great, Aries. That's right in my right in my hitting zone, Druids, The Pirate Life Throwback IPA. That's uh, especially at that three point five percent. Good for Marshy. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. you
0: love a mid strength. I'm not impartial to a mid strength. I've never said that. I've probably just uh, created a rod for my own back. That is very nice. So, very nice on the nose as well early on.
1: Right, Druids, Back into winners and losers, a segment we introduced last week, where we're going to uh, wrap up a couple of the big. Big climbers and big sliders from each and every week in the world of golf. Won't necessarily be on the PGA Tour. Um, might be an individual, might be a tournament, might be a venue, but it uh, it will be three winners and three losers each week. Uh, seeing as I let off first last week the winners, the privilege is all yours with the winners this week, my friend.
0: Well, the biggest winner, uh, as far as this program is concerned, is none other than Lucas Michelle. What an incredible performance this was to beat Joseph Duraney 2-1 and one, to win the U.S. mid at the Colorado Golf Club. This was incredible. It means he's going to play the Masters and the U.S. Open. He was ranked the 281st amateur going into the week. The bloke works at a driving range in Melbourne and caddies at Royal Melbourne. Unbelievable. This is like, well, it's not like you and me winning it, but
1: it's incredible still. A way off. A little well, way off. But, but it's the dream. It's the dream of you and I winning it. That's exactly I, what Lucas Michelle is. I just can't wrap my head around it. This bloke is just going to waltz out at the Masters. Can you imagine if he won it? Yeah, well, well to provide some context, obviously, um, the mid-end that often starts in the Masters is lucky to make the cut. And if they do, that's news. I,
0: I don't
1: uh, care. So we, we, we'll temper the expectations around Lucas Michelle. Nah. But load up. I don't i tell you what, Truths, I won't be loading up on my recently acquired mortgage, uh, but what I will be doing is loading up on my, my passion and my support for this uh, 25-year-old Aussie because I'm blown away, and I'll tell you why, Nath. We are three episodes in, and I thought it would take much longer to find a player who literally embodied the ethos of the 19th tee, and that is Lucas Michelle. Within three episodes, we've cracked the code. This is a 25-year-old, as you said, who works two jobs, driving range in Melbourne, caddy at Royal Melbourne, puts his money away to fund his flying and participation and accommodation at these amateur tournaments. He's got himself over to Colorado to play in the US mid-air, has become the first foreign-born player to win the US mid-air across a turbulent and rollercoaster 36 holes against Joseph Durrani in the final and he will be walking out uh, in the 2020 US Open at Winged Foot and, of course, on the hallowed turf of Augusta National. I'm not sure that golfing fairy tales are written quite more perfectly uh, than that of the 25-year-old from Melbourne, Lucas, Michelle. It, it is one of, the, one of the great stories uh, in Australian golf in recent memory. But how's the
0: steely resolve from him? The, like, to nail four birdies in the final eight holes is incredible with everything that's on the line um twice coming back from three hole deficits it's it is a phenomenal phenomenal achievement um and the fact that he is just a caddy at royal melbourne also can he be picked for the president's cup because getting in ernie
1: um just get around the team. He doesn't just, have to play, but can you, put him, obviously can you put him on the bag? Can you put him on someone's bag? Can you put him on Ernie's two-way radio in his ear? Do something. The guy has obviously an intimate knowledge of Royal Melbourne. Coming off the momentum here of the US mid-air, I think he'd be an inspired selection just to get around the group. And funnily enough, I, I did see uh, a tweet earlier in the week from Jeff Ogilvie, who is one of the vice captains of the international team, who suggested such a thing that they would do something to draft him in. To the group, because that knowledge of Royal Melbourne, a player of uh, of, of Lucas's momentum at present would be uh, would be invaluable for the for the international team.
0: An incredible, um, an incredible achievement, as we mentioned. Obviously, Gabriella Ruffles also won the US Women's Am, um, and Sue Wooster was runner-up in the US Senior Women's Am as well. So a good little run for Aussie golf. Gabriella Ruffles uh, actually at college at USC, and um, we're hoping to have a chat to her for our on-campus uh episodes coming up as well um this course just by the way just taking a a small tangent because you know i do love golf architecture the colorado and golf tangents. club is yeah and tangents is one of the most spectacular courses that i've ever seen it's a big call <laughs> simply <laughs> for the fact simply for the fact that it is not a course that i thought would be built in colorado It doesn't look like it belongs in Colorado. It looks like it belongs in the
1: Scottish Highlands. Yeah, it's interesting as well, and I think something that uh, I admire about um, and even further about the performance of Lucas Michel is his ability to fly into a foreign environment. Now, not to say that many of the US-based amateurs be playing that on a regular basis, but they do play across that mid-amp circuit on a regular basis. Lucas Michel flying in, Uh, from a a foreign country, obviously the first foreign-born player to win the mid am and just contesting with that different style. uh, You know, if he's used to the uh, unbelievably unforgiving um, nature of Royal Melbourne uh, where, you know, you give an inch and the course will certainly take a mile, quite literally. Uh, It's a huge effort for him to come into different surrounds there in Colorado, albeit beautiful surrounds as you flag, and and put in such a... Uh, a gutsy performance to come back on a number of occasions. So I, I, I think, as I said, the embodiment of this podcast. Uh, I think if we were able to get him on as a guest, we we may well hang it up because I think I don't know that we'll go bigger than Lucas Michel, But he so impressed by what he put out there this week, and and can't wait to to really tune in to um, to the U.S. Open and of course Augusta National next year for the Masters to watch this young Aussie um, rub shoulders with the very best in the world. Going to be incredible. Speaking
0: of Masters, my second winner for the weekend or the week just gone was the Masters champion from 2016 in Danny Willett. What an incredible performance down the stretch at the BMW PGA Championship to beat John Rahm. Um, Look, I I thought that John Rahm probably could have been on my winner's list in his own right. I I really – I have a lot of time for John Rahm. I think he is part of that new wave of golfer that's coming through and he's really um, doing his best to – Um, continue to impart his wisdom on the next generation but Danny Willett what an incredible uh, performance this was at another course that is is absolutely stunning in its own right Um, he missed the cut at this event last year and then held his uh, nerve to win by three shots uh, and walk away with more than a million pounds which is an incredible prize packet Um, I
1: thought this was a fantastic story this weekend Yes, yeah, certainly true. It's only the second win since that uh, Masters victory back in twenty sixteen. So it's certainly been some peaks and troughs, uh, more troughs for Danny than peaks you know, since that twenty sixteen victory. But so special, uh, I think, for him to do it in front of a home crowd there at, at Wentworth, um, you know, uh, a course steeped in history, of course, the birthplace of the Ryder Cup. Uh, but for an Englishman to do it in front of an English crowd and and a, and a particular type of Englishman just strikes me as a lad. Strikes me as Doesn't a. He? as a Tommy Fleetwood, as a Terrell Hatton, as an Ian Poulter type who goes out there, um, pots his way across the golf course and then probably puts away four or five pints after the round. And I I think that is the exact type of golfer we love here at the (laughs) 19th. I think it was fantastic to see him um, tame the beast that is Rambo John Rahm. And I I completely agree with you that I'm I'm right here for John Rahm. He's one of my favorite players, but he is – a presence. He's a he's a brute of a man, boy, for starters. Yeah, yeah. He's tall, he's broad, uh, he's fiery. He's got that temper, John Rahm, yeah. and I imagine the type of player that um, less lesser players would would shrink next to because he just brings such an aura. But for Danny Willett, with, with with John Rahm breathing down his neck, he really rallied, particularly um, to close out those final nine holes, and 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 a, and a special victory, no doubt, for him in front of his friends and family there at the Wentworth course. So a worthy second winner for you this week uh, for winners and losers. Who's number three, Drew?
0: Number three for this week, Cam Percy. Uh, So Cam Percy obviously playing on the PGA Tour after picking up his card off the Corn Ferry last year. He missed the cut at the first event of the season, which was the Greenbrier. Um, and he's made up for lost time, finishing minus or 14-under at T11 at the Sanderson Farms Championship in Mississippi. He shot rounds of 65-70, 68-71, 70, finished four shots behind the eventual winner in Sebastian Munoz and Sungjae im um, his first and third rounds were absolutely fantastic, but it was the sort of the second and fourth rounds which really hurt him. But he goes on my winners list for this week. I just think um, for a bloke who's forty-five years old to to go out and um, have a really good round round of uh, fourteen under and to finish t eleven, um, he lands on my winners list for this week at the Sanderson Farms Championship, um, which was
1: won in quite dramatic fashion, I guess you could say. Absolutely. Sebastian Munoz, or as he will be referred to from now on on the 19th tee, El Jefe, uh, went on to win uh, on the playoff hole against Sunye Im, uh, 18 under, the eventual winner there on the first playoff hole. And how about this? Um, Some phenomenal stats around Sebastian Munoz, uh, El Jefe. He is um, a first-time PGA Championship winner. So uh, second time in two weeks, we've had a first-time winner, of course, Joaquin Mm -hmm. Neiman at the Greenbrier last week. Um, Second time in two weeks, we've had a Latino winner. Uh, So Joaquin Neiman from Chile last week and Sebastián Muñoz from Colombia. Uh, I'm loving the articulation around the uh, South American (coughs) names. If you aren't picking up my vibes of how much I'm enjoying this. But, Druids, I stumbled across a great little story on Twitter uh, post-Sebastian Munoz's win. Uh, Sean Martin uh, of the PGA Tour shared this little anecdote. He said, Sebastian Munoz was not going to turn pro unless he won during his senior year of college. So he was staring down the barrel of giving away his golfing dream after four years at college. He had intended to move back to Colombia to work on his family's farm. Uh, he did, however, win twice in his final season at North Texas, and now, at 26 years of age, is a PGA Tour winner for the first time. So here's a guy, after four years at college, uh, a very handy golfer, uh, staring down the barrel of moving back home to Columbia to work on the family farm, makes a promise to his promise to himself. Sorry, manages to win twice in his final year, follows his professional dream, and now, uh, at 26 years of age, is a PGA Tour winner. Dudes, and what I thought was the icing on the cake of this story. A really nice touch. Uh, Sebastian Munoz's playing partner in the final round was Carlos Ortiz, who was a teammate at North Texas at college. Mm -hmm. So Carlos Ortiz was able to walk up the fairway with him alongside his college friend and see and witness his first victory firsthand. And uh, obviously you saw the emotion on Sebastian Munoz's face when he sunk that winning putt. It meant an awful lot to him. Fantastic to see two first-up winners in their first two weeks of the PGA Tour season. And I think Sebastian Munoz uh, may well be in the hunt now for a captain's pick at the Presidents Cup. I completely agree, marshy I think he is certainly in the discussions.
0: Uh, same with uh, Neiman from who won, um, obviously, the Greenbrier. Um, Where Munoz finished seventh, so he is in a very good little bit of form. Um, I thought it was a really good little, a really good tournament. Um, obviously. Uh, for my fantasy team, which we will get into very shortly. Uh, another great week for Druids, but look, we'll get to that a little bit later on. I think it might be now time to perhaps circle back to the losers of the weekend, Marshy. if you want to take us through your three losers. I oh, do, Druids.
1: Now stick with me. This first one is going to sound a little left of field. Yeah, because I've seen There's it on something... the run sheet and I'm... Really not sure what's going on. (laughs) So there's a story, and I want you and I want the listeners to stick with me. But my first loser of the week is Ernie Els's hair. Now, if you think about the Big Easy, he's a man who's been around um, our golfing appetite for uh, decades now, one of the great talents of the 90s and early 2000s, a man that was able to push Tiger to his limits at his peak. One thing that resonates in my mind, Ernie Els, is that, Beautiful head of hair. You know, that beautiful, wavy, blonde head of hair um, <laughs> direct out of South Africa. As with time and age and, and all things, Druids, it's begun to thin. But if you think the thinning process over the last 10 or 15 years, Virani has been something to behold, wait until you see what happens the next three to four weeks when he has to narrow it down to his final four captain's picks for the International President's Cup team. Because let me tell you, Druids, I think many people thought uh, some time ago um but as recently as you know probably last month that Jason someone like a Jason day was a lock for one of those four remaining spots. you know a player with great stature in the game, uh, local knowledge is an Australian brings out the home crowd that passionate fanatical crowd that only else wants at Royal Melbourne. Uh, well in the in the the week since um, you've had players literally coming out of the woodwork putting up their hands. You've had Joaquin Neiman last week his win at the Grand Prix, you've had Sebastian Munoz uh, this week, his win at Sanderson Farms. You've had the likes of Sung Jae the recently crowned PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, pushed Sebastian Munoz all the way in the playoff today. You had Benny Ahn, who was runner-up also uh, at the, uh, the the Sanderson Farms. You've got players literally putting up their hands, dudes, and I would imagine... Lucas Michel. Like, <laughs> the Australian uh, US Mid-Am champ, Lucas <laughs> Michel. Uh, imagine if-, if he got a spot. I, I think he'd be there I, if it's if it's even just to scrub the shoes. I'd just get him around the group. I think he would be an outstanding Is addition. Is he eligible but, as an amateur? I, I don't. Mean, surely you'd have to be on the PGA. I don't want to be the person who puts the pin in the balloon, but I, I don't think he would be eligible. Mind you, they could just do um, a, a, a complete executive decision, a captain's pick, if you will, uh, much right. like the European Tour did, and and just presented Vic La Ho- Victor Hovland with his card. Um, just get him in and, and apologize later. But I think Ernie um, and his hair are in for a rough few weeks. So Ernie Els's hair is a loser for me this week, Droods. Loser number two, Droods, or should I say losers? This is a pretty broad brush group. It is, it is all Australians playing uh, both in America on the PGA Tour and at the Wentworth Club this weekend on the European Tour. Uh, only two Australians making the cut across both events. You mentioned Cam Percy, an outstanding performance from him finishing T11 at the Sanderson Farms Championship, as was a great performance from Cam Davis, the Aussie only recently winning back his PGA Tour card, finishing T28, but that's all she wrote in terms of Australians who played Saturday and Sunday golf this weekend, Druids, no other Australian making the cut uh, in Mississippi, and no Australian, period, making the cut at the Wentworth Club at the BMW PGA Championship. We had a couple of Aussies, including Lucas Herbert, one shot outside the cut, but to only have two Australians playing in the final 36 holes of, of major tournaments across the weekend is, is a pretty poor showing. So they, um, I'm going to put them collectively as a group uh, in, in the losers of the week and also probably therefore put this podcast on their hit list. Um, so good luck to us getting some guests in the near future. Uh, finally, <laughs> Droods, uh, my third loser. Um, this is a bit of a sad one, to be honest. Um, news through during the week that the Super Six Competition in Perth has been officially axed after struggling to attract top talent. Um, Started with a bluster a few years ago, but um, last year's event did not attract a player within the world uh, top 50. And, you know, we've talked about it um, a number of times already on this podcast, the need to attract big names to our summer events as critical in terms of, you know, regenerating the lifeblood of golf in this country. And, And to have a tournament like the Super Six taken off the cards in Perth. Um, albeit, um, understandably, in terms of lacking commercial support, given the lack of big names, but particularly Western Australia drew such a hotbed of talent. You know, you only have to see the success of Hannah Green recently on the LPGA Tour. Players like uh, Curtis Luck, the Lee siblings, um, Minwoo and Minji, uh, phenomenal players coming out of the west of the country. And to see a tournament like this uh, in your hometown uh, being taken off the cards is 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 quite uh, quite sad.
0: Oh, I completely agree, Marshy. I went to this tournament this year um, on the Sunday, um, and it was it was entertaining. Look, is it the best golf in the world? No, it's not. Um, I think everyone understands that when they go there. It's not reflected in the ticket prices. It was at Lake Caranup, which is an absolutely stunning course. Um, was the golf good? Yeah, it was it was good it was good to watch it's you, we know that it's not going to attract a tiger woods to come down it's absolutely not going to do that and the the event isn't there to to serve that purpose but you know we saw foxy going around he was that was awesome for the crowd to to get involved and um you know follow him around and the crowd was pretty significant as well um i thought it was a really good little tournament i know they couldn't attract big name players um but completely agree in that it it dents massively into Western Australia's golfing. Um, I suppose the love for golf, I mean, there's no prof- professional tournaments here now in, in WA. Um, does it open the door for other tournaments? Absolutely. It does. Uh, a great piece by Tom wildie on uh, the ABC today talking around potentially the, the women's tournament coming over, obviously contracted uh, the, the women's Oz open contracted in Adelaide till 2021, but um, certainly that opens the door for that. Um, but, yeah, I th- I think it's really sad, mate, um, a- and it is disappointing given Australia, uh, WA's long history with um, top-level golf. Of course, the Johnny Walker Classic um, many years ago was absolutely sensational. I remember going to that as a young'un. Um, but, look, it was a great Sunday afternoon uh, of golf was the World Super 6, and, and like I say, um, I don't think anyone was uh, going there expecting to see um, the best golfers in the world compete for for not a huge prize packet, um, so I think some of the criticism is perhaps a little bit little bit unfair um, on the organisers. But nevertheless, um, I agree with your uh, your putting it in the losers basket this week.
1: That rounds out my losers for the week, Droods. Uh A nice little segue, though, because you mentioned how sad it is to lose the Super Six competition. Equally as sad is my performance in PGA Tour fantasy golf. Would uh, not I, agree more. Yeah, look, if I if I were currently hired as uh, the general manager of an NBA or NFL franchise, uh, be to be sad. clear, I'm to be clear, I'm not. Um, it's on the cards in the future, but right, right now, it's not a reality and I'm glad it isn't because given some of my rostering decisions in the first two weeks, uh, I'd be without employment. Uh, I would imagine quickly showing the door. I, I have invested my faith in a poor recruitment strategy. Um, it's been about um, showing and investing um, in the, the talent coming off the Corn Ferry Tour, in, in the thinking that they are in a hot of form, coming off finishing in the top 25. Uh, maybe they should have taken a break. Maybe they should have. Maybe done, you should have just picked better players. I completely agree with you, um, but you, you, my friend, have opened up quite a healthy lead in our in our PGA Tour fantasy state. Sizable. absolutely sizeable. I uh, had 775 points
0: this week, which uh, was less than what I had last week. Had Benny Ann, he really worked for me. Finished 17 under, he scored 232 across the week. I also had Emiliano, Grillo, Cameron, Tringale and Brant Snedeker Uh, didn't make a substitution because your mate Dougie Gim uh, cut. Maverick McNeely cut, so didn't have any other options. Those four served me extremely well. Um, I would also like to point out that uh, sitting on the bench for you, KM, was the eventual winner um. So, look, I think you've got some self-searching too, mate.
1: El Jefe was sitting on my bench. Um, Sebastian Munoz, uh, look, tough beat for me this week, Trude. Not going to lie to you. Um, Corey Connors, cut. Harry Higgs, cut. Mad McNeely, cut. Brant Snedeker, flashes of brilliance as per usual for Sneds, but nothing consistent. Uh, again, I'm, I'm gun-shy to go to my bench. I'm conscious that I only get to use these players three times per segment. Yeah, look, I'm really else to... are
0: you going to use Sebastian Munoz, sorry,
1: El Jefe, and Aaron Wise, just a good kid out of Oregon, by the way? Yeah, look, I, I, I'm, I'm obviously going to need to overcome my fear of my bench. Uh, there's, not, there's really no use or no value to, um, to my team, uh, Flair Jordan. Uh, sure when uh, when I've got players like El Jefe sitting on my bench after winning performance. So okay. I kind of hope you hadn't really seen that or picked up on it and definitely hope you weren't going to bring it up on the podcast. So I appreciate yeah. uh, you on both fronts. Yeah, definitely. But yes, a sizable lead you've picked up after two weeks of PGA Tour Fantasy. And don't forget, folks, it is a public league. Search the 19th T podcast. We'd love to have a few listeners getting in amongst this. I'll say exactly what I said last week. It will be great to be beaten by more than just Roots Uh, because it's pretty easy for him to hold it over my head, and it's literally 1v2. And uh, you're making pretty easy work of it at the moment as well, mate. Just moving into some other news, Druids, around the world. We had uh, the Ladies European Tour, the Lacoste Ladies Open de France, and uh, the Tour de Force, uh, to use another analogy there in, in the great... A country of France, Nellie Corder coming off an outstanding performance, the American in the Solheim Cup. She was, I think, without doubt, the form player for the Americans in the Solheim Cup. She went 3-0-1 uh, last week at the Solheim. She has blown away the field, Druids, 15-under, eight-stroke victory at the Open de France to win her first Ladies European Tour title. Quite remarkable as well when you consider that she only led by one shot after 54 holes. So she's put seven on the field in the final uh, final round, including um, a, a blistering display of birdies in the final nine holes to really put some um, space between her and, and the remainder of the field. But Nellie Corder, a first-time winner on the Ladies European Tour, and it comes after that outstanding performance in, uh, in the Solheim Cup just last week. Uh, a great run of form there for Nellie Corder. And she finished
0: second place in South Korea the week before heading to the Solheim. So
1: very, very good form. How about this family? <laughs> you beat me to it. Unbelievable. It's not all that surprising that Nellie is playing good golf because uh, this is one of those families I like to refer to as a factory family, Drew. Surely um, built, not created. built from some sort of combination of elite um, resources, products, engineering, um, calculations, mathematics, to come up with the perfect sporting family. Her parents, Peter and Regina, both Czech tennis stars, Peter spelt P-E-T-R, Peter. And then, obviously, the sister, Jessie. Jessie Corder also plays on the LPGA Tour. Both were on the US Solheim Cup team last week, played alongside each other. Um, in foursomes across the weekend. And then to boot, the younger brother, Sebastian, um, just last year, was crowned the 2018 Australian Open boys' champion at the uh, the tennis tournament down under here in Oz. So a remarkably talented family is the quarters. Uh, and uh, if it is possible, uh, Nelly herself may be stamping um, her authority on being uh, the, the leader in that family at present. Oh, she's a gun.
0: Uh, and the whole family is pretty incredible to be honest just a quick nod to um aussie uh whitney hillier who finished our uh, t26 as well at that tournament so um a good showing from from herself on the ladies european tour shall we do a quick wrap of the aussies
1: around the world marshy yes yeah, so after i've given them all a whack maybe we'll just point out a few other ones uh, did yeah, pretty well outside well, of the pga and european tours
0: yeah in uh in Asia, the uh, Aussies are actually going great guns. Uh, the Shinhan Don Hay Open 2019. Matt Griffin finished T7 at 7-under, uh, and then Travis Smythe, Andrew Dodd, and Zach Murray all finished inside the top 20, um, which was excellent. Uh, an excellent showing from there. In the Zhuzhou Classic in China as well, Aaron Wilkin finished inside the top 10 at 7-under, uh, and then Byron McPherson, uh, Bryson McPherson rather, and Tim Stewart finished inside the top 30. Um, and then that was pretty much all she wrote around the world. Um, obviously, you mentioned Whitney Hillier before in the uh, Open to France. And we've, well, you've swiftly given uh, all the players in, in Europe and the US a fair whack as well. Quickly, let's touch on Sergio Garcia. Now, the man who has been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons, apart from last week when he um, won the KLM Open, Um which was a, a phenomenal performance, is coming down under to play in the Australian Open, and this
1: summer just keeps getting better and better for Aussie golf. Yeah, no doubt, Roots. I think it's been a fantastic announcement to see um, the Spanish stallion, uh, Sergio Garcia, commit his summer down here in Australia. We spoke about it last week. We spoke about the controversy that's played his game in the last uh, 12 months, but we also spoke about the fact that um, you have to have the ability to separate that from um, his he, the totality of his career is the way that I would phrase it. And he has been uh, one of the very best players the last 15 to 20 years of golf. He is a man that uh, commands respect in international golf. And when you have a player of his stature, commit himself to coming down under here for the Australian Open. Uh, nothing but good things. And, and you have to look at just the names that he joins. So mm. – albeit you, you, you preface this by saying that obviously um, these players looking to get some uh, form under the belt leading in to a President's Cup and, and would, we, uh, would we attract the level of talent were we not hosting the President's Cup in Royal Melbourne uh, remains to be seen. That aside, um, respectfully, who gives a toss? Because these players are coming. Uh, you've got C.T. Pan, Jason Day, Mark Leishman, Cam Smith, Ernie Ellis, Louis Oostace and Paul Casey, and now Sergio Garcia, all committed. Um, so if you're an Australian golf fan, um, particularly in, in areas where it's easily accessible to get to these tournaments, you've got no excuse. You have to show up in numbers now to support because you know getting through the turnstiles, purchasing your tickets, going out and supporting, that's what's going to continue to bring these players back each summer is creating an environment that these players love to play in because don't worry, the courses will be set up in a way that they'll enjoy. There's no doubt about that. You know Our, our staff around the country at our best leading courses do it outstanding job to prepare um, the services and to prepare uh, world-class golf courses but we need to show up in numbers as fans to ensure that this sort of uh, field this level of talent continues to come down under each summer absolutely it's a a fantastic uh,
0: lineup that's been assembled probably one of the strongest in in the last few years to be honest so it'll be i think it'll be really interesting to see if and how many of the U.S. Presidents Cup team decides to potentially come down and join this Oz Open um, list, but um, really, really looking forward to that Oz Open. Um, I think that's going to be a cracking tournament in the lead up to what is going to be a brilliant Presidents Cup. A few things in the other news section, Marshy, that we struggled to find a a home for in uh, this podcast, so we've lumped it into other news. Ah, uh, Tiger's course is nearing completion, which is incredibly exciting. Perhaps, uh, maybe you can take us through that one, and um, maybe we'll we'll tee up a time to to head out there and and have a crack in the US. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to, I'd, Tiger, the
1: is something. Tiger, anything. I'd love to be a guest of 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 the great man, the big cat, out on his own course. Look, I think Drude's, um for Tiger. Obviously, Tiger has. Uh, contributed to the design of a number of courses around the world. Something a little bit different about this one. It's obviously a passion project of his. Uh, You know, we talk a lot about making golf more accessible and I think he understands the responsibility of the legacy that he has in this game. And I think it's wonderful to see him invest his time back into creating a project that, um, you know, as corny as it sounds, hashtag grow the game you know so this is a this is a player who has gone through a, a complete and utter um, image revamp i think in the last few years it's a new tiger since returning uh, i wouldn't even I wouldn't even focus in on the controversies it's probably coming back from the injuries it's that most recent back injury a few years ago where we saw the much publicized yips um, that were splattered all over the internet a player who uh, unequivocally unequivocally loves this game but maybe stared down the barrel of never getting back to it and seems to have a greater appreciation for um, just the the day-to-day fan that follows him around since he's come back. So I think it's great to see him pour his his heart and soul back into a project like this, and and I think it it will only be a great thing for golf in the States and and golf more broadly. Could not agree more, and I really want to play the course. (laughs) If he's listening, we'll put in a submission. I'm sure there's a contact form on the website that will get ignored. If we, if we say that we're trying to spread the great word of Eddie's course down here in Australia. A bit of other news, uh, Drews, and I love this. Uh, I've got to tell you, we drew the listeners' attention to Phil Mickelson's work on social media, in particular Twitter, in last week's episode. And our listeners have duly responded. Uh, they have been diligent in keeping an eye on Phil and his work across the week. He hasn't disappointed, and nor have our listeners. So a big shout-out to Ryan, uh, one of our followers who brought this to our attention. But how's this from Phil? Uh, So a man known as the Adonis of calves. Uh, If you're not familiar with Phil's calf muscles, you've been living under a rock or under his calf muscles. They're that big. But um, Phil, during the week on Twitter, Ian Rappaport at Rap Sheet, um, the the famous and diligent NFL reporter over in America, he tweeted – Patriots QB Tom Brady was limited in today's practice with a calf injury. Pretty standard stuff from from Rap. He gets around a lot of the injury news and a lot of the build-up to each and every weekend. Phil took it upon himself to retweet that, saying, I'm on standby for a flight to Boston. Let's not let inadequate calves hold us back. And that's a genius. A How's that for a flex against Tom Brady? No. So, Phil, uh, respectfully, one of my all-time favourite golfers and a, and a phenomenal athlete in his own right, uh, but he's having a crack at the size of the calves of uh, arguably, and I don't, I, I, I don't want to cause an argument on this podcast or on adjacent podcast, but arguably the greatest NFL player of all time.
0: Yeah, agree. Well, I mean, we, we can talk about who is the greatest NFL player of all time and I'm probably going to say Tom Brady, so I'm pretty comfortable with that. Um, Phil is a comedic genius and I think it is the sass and the level um, that he does it with, um, and the fact that he can pull the piss out of himself—that I find the most funny about Phil.
1: And I think it's—I I think this introduction to social media has made an already relatable individual um, resonate so much more with with the greater golf fan. It's, it's just the ability. It's his—it's his quirky nature. It's his unique sense of humour. It's the fact that he responds to almost everybody that sends him a tweet, um, and it might be. It might be tips for my game. It might be inane questions about life on the tour, but he gets back to everybody and it's that its that common touch. It's the ability to reach out to the fan and, and break down that barrier between him uh, between him and them that is so often pulled up by the TV cameras or the ropes on the course. He's doing such a good job for the game and, and I, I love to love to sit back and, and get a good old chuckle out of Phil's work because, uh, as you say, comedic genius. It's never a dull moment following following Phil. Now, Drew, um, speaking of... Um, the connection to football. And this, this little story this week uh, I love because it's right in the Venn diagram of this podcast. It's that intersection of um, golf and our passion, um, our side passion for the great game of uh, NFL. Tony Romo, the former uh, Dallas Cowboys quarterback who now obviously commentates um, with CBS, one of the best commentators in the game, if you don't mind. Also an incredibly handy golfer himself. He's playing uh, at this week's PGA Tour event in Napa. We're going up wine country for the Safeway Open. Tony Romo has received a sponsor's exemption. And CBS, his employer, has told him that if he makes the cut, he's welcome to forego his responsibilities at Sunday's game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. Unbelievable. This will be his fourth PGA Tour event, the fourth time he's received a sponsor's exemption. Uh, let's put to one side—he's missed the cut on all uh, three previous occasions. So the chances of um, him missing his commentary duties on Sunday are very slim, but unbelievable. Druids. I'm I'm very here for Tony Romo. I'm very here for for Texas football. Uh, I'm very here for this story. This is this is a great little yarn out of the states. I'm 50-50. Oh, I'm not going to lie. Please.
0: How could you possibly have
1: a problem? How could you possibly have a problem with this? Well, why not?
0: Do you know who should bloody get it?
1: Do you if know you who say should Lu- get- if you say Lucas, Michelle? <laughs>
0: Give it to Lucas.
1: Look, Lucas has booked his ticket to, to Wingfoot for the US Open in twenty twenty as this, he right? has as he has like with the uh, the Augusta National for the Masters. I think Tony Romo can be forgiven. Ah, no, a it's So if I can do whatever the hell I want. I think it's I think it's great and I think you know uh, to, to put our serious hat on for a moment, it's the exact type of initiative you like to see um, to to broaden the interest in the game because Tony Romo is an incredibly popular figure um, has a huge following from his time in football and continued time as a commentator, but absolutely loves the game and he's handy like he's a very handy golfer
0: he's a very uh, handy golfer.
1: So, you know one sponsors exemption spot in in the interests of um, of building an audience, I think is um is time and money well spent from Safeway. So good to well, see.
0: That's, that's what the sponsor exemption there for It's there to build the audience. right? Like if they put if they put some young kid in as a sponsor exemption, or if they put Tony Ramo in, who's going to get more tongues wagging? Tony Ramo, it's a smart pick
1: from them. Absolutely, true, And you only have to look at the amount of stories that have been written this week alone about the fact that he may make the cut and he may miss his commentary duties on yeah. Sunday. He hasn't even yeah. um, hit off the, the first tee on Thursday yet. So imagine if he does. Now, unlikely, as we said, he's played in three other events and he's missed the cut on all three occasions. But if he were to make the cut, the coverage would be huge. It would be all over CBS's coverage of the Sunday game in prime time between the Vikings and the Bears, talking about where he's at, um, up in Napa playing golf. So I, I think it's a, it's a prudent move from... Um, from the sponsor, it's a prudent move from the tour. And, and, and credit where it's due to CBS, who have encouraged him to to, to follow that dream and, and said that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find someone else, Tony. Uh, you, you have a weekend off if, if you can, in fact, make the cut. Absolutely. Why not? And how about our boy Leash in the cryo chamber? Yeah, Mark Leashman. So we spoke about the the ongoing back issues, the bulging discs in um, Leash's back, which caused him to withdraw from the Greenbrier last week. Well, he popped up in the cryo chamber on the socials uh, during the week, spending a bit of time. Um, it'll probably take a bit of time for the cry chamber to crack through those self-assessed love handles that he has. So he probably spends a little bit of time in there, uh, more time in there than others. But uh, good to see Leash um, pulling out all the stops to make sure that his body's in the best shape it possibly can be for a big Australian summer down under, Druids.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I don't care what he does as long as he gets himself right for the President's Cup.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, and obviously, um, you say that from a um, from a personal interest and and straight out of the hip pocket. But you'll be right there on his on his on his six, um, following him all the way, and 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 supporting him. But I think that. For your benefit for the people watching at home and, and for the game of golf here in this country we need our our very best players here um across the summer not only just at the president's cup but at our home tourneys as well so um good to see leash uh, as he always would he's very passionate about um, building the game here in australia and, and he's doing all he can and all within his power to make sure his body is right. Now, Drude's, um speaking of doing all that you can, uh, you and I, uh, we flagged last week where our handicaps are at, uh, courtesy of a question from um, Ian Pryor on Instagram, following the 19th tee at the 19th tee podcast on Instagram, asked us about where our handicaps at. Uh, I think we both admitted not where it needs to be, um, certainly to have any sort of credibility to be hosting a golf podcast, uh, mind you. So we thought we would start doing a little bit um, each episode about what we're doing. To improve, it's not just good enough to throw a number out there and come back to you in six months' time and say, "Guess what? I've cracked single figures." I'll give you yeah. my golf link. I'll get, you can check for yourself. Uh, we need to we need to take you on the journey. So, what are you doing, Drew? What's what's the current focus? I understand you're working a little bit of a, a drill you've picked up off YouTube. Absolutely. Look, I'm trying to get uh, to the driving
0: range twice a week in the morning. One day a week, I am heading to the actual range um, and doing the towel drill, which um, is obviously involves taking a towel off your uh, off your cart bag and then placing it about a club head. uh, Sorry, about your um, your grip's length behind the ball for your irons and a grip's length in front of the ball for your driver. So what it um, encourages you to do with your irons is hit down on the ball. Um, and then for your driver, it encourages you to hit up on the ball. I have found that that has made a really big um, difference to my driver game particularly, um, and, yeah, it's, it, you know, it, with my irons, I've still got a lot of work to do, not going to lie. So, and then the other day, I'm, I'm heading to the Chipping Green and spending um, about an hour at the Chipping Green because that's significant.
1: And yeah, absolutely. I, I completely, um, I completely agree, mate. And, and I think that um, speaking of irons, where I'm working at present is, is in the bunker because the sand is my absolute nemesis. Um, I look at those areas of the course and I, I, I shudder to be honest. If I go in there, I consider maybe just picking up the ball and walking onto the next tee. Uh, that's where I'm at with my bunker play at the moment. But I stumbled across a little drill, funnily enough on the European Tour's Instagram account. If you're not following them, folks, make sure you get around the European Tour because they do some fantastic content. Um, it was actually the Pro-Am um, a week or two ago. Uh, Rory McIlroy was playing with um, none other than Justin Timberlake and the Pro-Am. And uh, Justin and I, we share many similarities, one of which is Problem in the Bunkers. Uh, what Rory was uh, showing Justin was a drill that he always keeps in his mind when he approaches the bunkers. Um, the easiest way to describe it would be, regardless of where you play the bunker shot in your stance, whether it's forward um, in the middle of your stance or at the back, if you imagine drawing a line from the ball back to your stance, uh, a direct perpendicular line from the ball back to your stance, and then opening your club face at the top of that line to make a T. So your open club face is the top of the T. And all Rory does um, is um, choke down on the club, cock his right elbow for left hand. Is obviously cock your left elbow, and simply uh, re-cock and scooping under the ball. Uh, so it's quite simple. It's a lot more deft touch than saying trying to completely blunder your way out of the bunker. But it's all about that alignment in the stance, and it's about um, the trajectory of cocking your your arm, so you get a quite a steep. Uh, Backswing and making sure that you're coming down on the same line so you're scooping under the ball. I've found, Druids, it's been an immense improvement for me uh, and my game just in the week or two that I've been working on it. uh, I haven't, um, I fortunately found myself in a position where I need to use it in mid-round, but just doing a bit of practice uh, there at the range in the sand, it's been a huge help. So... Uh, if you haven't seen the video, I'd urge you to go and take a look. And, and if you're having similar troubles in the bunker to myself and Justin Timberlake, uh, then I would urge you to uh, to to give it a crack. Speaking of um, being out mid-round, Trude, you had a nice little round uh, on the weekend at Hillview Golf Club over there in Perth. Yeah, a
0: really nice little public course that's undergone a lot of refurb in the last few years. Um, you know, when I sort of started getting into golf maybe two, three years ago, playing with some mates, I um, probably wasn't in the best condition. Uh, And they've really uh, taken it upon themselves to improve. They've redesigned the uh, Heritage 9. They've got 27 holes there. Uh, They've redesigned the Heritage 9, and that is now one of my favourite 9 to play. It used to be the one that they used to put on the Sunday hackers on, um, but now it's one of my favourite to play. We got the Classic and the Lakeside 18, which was the easiest 9 and the hardest 9 um and yeah it's it's just a really great little course to be able to play um i ended up with a 97 um which i was i was okay with um i had about three putts four 2 inches short um but look there were some really nice shots in there i think um the par 5 ninth was one of my favorite ones to play um, I managed to cut the corner just nicely. It's a little dogleg right. Managed to cut the corner just nicely, um, allowing me a 210 meter sort of five iron into the tee, uh, into the green rather, and um, pulled it left. But managed to to get up and down for for, for par. But um, it's a really great little course here in here in Perth. Um, and obviously, you know, pay to play, uh, Marshy. You know, um, you know what I'm you know what I'm getting at here. Pay to play. Pay to play. Um, you got to pay to play. Uh, if if you do want to head out for a round, um, definitely consider Hillview Golf Club. Co- uh, Hillview Golf Course there at the bottom of the hill. Um, it's not hugely expensive to play. We got out at quarter past seven. We were off the course by ten thirty. It was excellent. It was a great little Saturday morning. Um, loved it, and I look forward to playing that one day with you, K. M.
1: Yeah, and look, 97, mate. You shouldn't you, know, you shouldn't be too displeased with that. And of course, you're not all that familiar with. So good first effort. And as you say, yeah, uh, we'll have to get out there heading over your way over west uh, at the end of the year just before Christmas so we'll, uh, we'll put some time in the diaries to get out there to to Hillview. Druids. that probably wraps us up for the week just before we get going. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping uh, for listeners who were um, astutely tuned last week. They'd recall us saying that Tony Wiebeck, the senior writer for Australian Golf Digest, was going to be our very first guest on this episode. Well, Uh, Good news, Uh, Tony is going to be a very first guest, but we in fact uh, have decided to put that as a standalone episode. There's a couple of big topics to cover with Tony. We're looking at more of a state-of-the-game type um, conversation, uh, all the way from the very top, what Australia's reputation is like in international golf, down to the grassroots, um, players like Druids, myself and and our listeners, uh, and what the challenge is to ensure that uh, ourselves and the next generation continue to be engaged in this great sport so we wanted to make sure that tony had the time um, necessary to to uh to delve into those big topics so looking at druids um putting that out uh, early next week but tony Webeck will be our first guest the senior writer for australian golf digest and also druids kicking off next week we have our new mini series on campus
0: absolutely we do Uh, episode one is going to drop hopefully late next week uh, with a player that is doing great things at the University of Colorado, Boulder, in Kirsty Hodgkins. Um, we had a really good chat to her the other day. So we're just pulling all that one together and we'll look to pull, uh, put that one out on the usual platforms up on Spotify later next week. But that was a really interesting chat. If you want to hear how the college system works um, from everything from academics to travel to recruiting um, to uh Kirsty's favourite um pastime which is running marathons so a really really interesting chat there before we do go km very quickly your one line review of the pirate life throwback
1: ipa please loved it uh easy to drink uh soft on the palate and certainly one that i'll be going back for so uh, credit where it's due to pirate life big pat on the back from me for the throwback ipa Correct. I think they are doing great things. Pirate Life, obviously, um, a
0: really interesting story for another time around Nat Fife and his buying to that uh, brewery. But um, yeah, I found it a little bit hoppy, but uh, for a, for a mid uh, for a mid strength beer. But I really like it. I'd go back again. Um, one standard drink, three and a half percent. Pretty good beer all round for mine.
1: Certainly, Drew. So that just about does us, folks. Don't forget to follow us on social media, the 19th T Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. We welcome questions from the gallery, as you've heard in the first few weeks. I love to engage with our listeners on the socials, the 19th T Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Also, uh, rate and subscribe on Apple and Spotify, the podcast now readily available on two of the best podcast outlets going and where the great majority of us uh, do listen each and every week. So don't forget to uh, rate and subscribe the 19th Tea Podcast on Apple and Spotify. Drew, it's been a pleasure to have your company, my friend, and look forward well, to having it. a chat next week. Absolutely, mate. Go well this weekend if you're getting out. Same to you and same to your listeners. Look forward to having a chat to all of you uh, next week on the 19th Tea.